We continue in our sermon series on the authority of Jesus Christ is found in the book of Matthew. And we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 9, verses 18 through 31 this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we read the scripture. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is the ultimate authority and he is the one who is powerful. He's the one who cares for us. And we pray this morning that as we read your scripture, that we would not only learn things, new information or reminders, but that you would use your word by the power of your Holy Spirit to do the work that we need in our lives, whether we need to be encouraged, whether we need to repent, uh, whether we need change, whether we need a new heart, whatever it is, Father, that you would use your word to that end. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So beginning with Matthew chapter 9, verses 18. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, if, if I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her said, take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, go away for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and he took her by the hand and the girl arose. And the report of this went through all the district. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. When he touched their eyes, then he touched their eyes. According to your faith, be it be done to you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all the district. Last week we learned that Jesus has come not for those who are healthy. He used that as, a, as an illustration, so to speak. The Pharisees said, Why do you eat with the tax collectors and the sinners? And Jesus said, I'm not come. I don't, the, healthy, the healthy don't need a doctor. Those that are sick need a doctor. I've not come for the righteous, but for sinners. And of course, all of us are sinners. It's just a question of whether we know it or not. Whether we know the degree of desperation that really exists in our life. And today we're going to see that there are three live illustrations that Matthew gives us following this uh, encounter with Jesus and the Pharisees of people that are desperate because of their illness. An illness, physical illness, can be used by God to lead us to salvation in Jesus Christ. One desperation 
physically can lead us to understand and acknowledge and to reach out to our Savior because of our spiritual desperation. In an interview, Kathy Keller, who some of you are familiar with Tim and Kathy Keller, Kathy Keller uh, spoke of how God used an illness to save her, ultimately leaving, leading her to saving faith in Jesus Christ. Now, she writes of a time when she was in high school. She was a teenager, at least. Um, and she, um, she was dealing with an illness. It wasn't her illness. It was the illness of her beagle. And so she writes this. God will use any means to seek and save us. In my case, it was my sick beagle, Pepper, who was dying of a degenerative disease. And me trying to pray for the first time in my life. I only knew the Lord's Prayer, so I would race through that and get to the part where I cried and begged God to heal my dog. And one night, I was rushing through, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, when I felt as if I had just run full tilt into a brick wall. What on earth had I just said? That I wanted God's will to be done? No, not at all. I wanted my will to be done. God was just a means to accomplish that. I felt frozen in a moment of eternity with giant spotlights trained on me while all the heavens waited to see which way I would move. What would it be? Thy will be done? And of course, that would mean that my dog would die and I would no doubt end up as a missionary in a pith helmet, unmarried and alone in a human place filled with bugs. Or so my imagination told me. And for the only time in my life, I heard in my head God's voice saying, it's not your dog's life I wanted, it's your life. Astonished, my tears stopped and I leaped out of bed and rushed to the basement where my poor ailing dog had her box. And I told her that she was going to be okay. And of course she was. God wasted a perfectly good miracle and healed my beagle, much to the puzzlement of our veterinarian who claimed that severed nerves don't regenerate and backbones don't regrow. After that time, I recognized that I had been claimed by God and had yielded to that claim, but I knew not one thing about being a sinner who needed forgiveness or what God had done to procure that forgiveness. It wasn't until college that I met serious believers who trusted the Bible as God's word, and it wasn't until seminary that I heard about substitutionary atonement. In between, I was a raging, self-righteous, goody-two-shoes, judgmental, and lonely person. And so, Kathy Keller, from the beginning of this episode in her life, this desperate need she had for the healing of her dog, which led her to call out to God for salvation, which led her ultimately to understand she needed salvation and Jesus Christ even more desperately and to put her faith in him. We're going to look at three sorts of desperation today. The desperation caused by the specter of death. Desperation caused by an isolating illness. And desperation caused by disabling illness. And we're going to see how such desperation can lead us to seek and trust in a Savior, not only to heal us physically, but more importantly, go to the one who has the authority to meet our deepest needs, the need for eternal healing and eternal life. First of all, desperation can be caused by death. Matthew 
Chapter 9, verse 18. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. Skipping down to the conclusion of that, Matthew 9, 23. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl arose. Here was this very real situation of mourning. The, the mourners, were there were paid mourners in that day, and this was unlike our funerals, a very, which are very quiet when you come in, but they were very loud and boisterous. They played flutes. They... Uh, wailed and they wept and Jesus came into the midst of that and healed a very dead girl and brought her back to life. This was a synagogue ruler. This would have been a man who came to Jesus who was respected. Uh, He was of some stature in the community and yet he was desperate. It doesn't matter whether you are esteemed in your community, whether you're despised in your community, whether you're upper class, lower class, middle class, whatever the case, whoever you are, we can be driven by our desperation to Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ will save us regardless of our status. And we see here it's not only death, his own death, the specter of his own death, but the very real death of his daughter and Those of you who are parents know that there's nothing, there's no more helpless feeling than the feeling of helplessness when your children are sick. And in this case, uh, a child has actually died. Tim Challies, some of you are familiar with him. He's a blogger. He's a Christian pastor. And he wrote this just this week. In all my years I've been writing, I've never had to type words more difficult, more devastating than these. Yesterday, the Lord called my son to himself, my dear son, my sweet son, my kind son, my godly son, my only son. Nick was playing a game with his sister and fiance and many other students when he suddenly collapsed, never regaining consciousness. Students, paramedics, and doctors battled valiantly but could not save him. He's with the Lord he loved, the Lord he longed to serve. We have no answers to the what or the why questions. Yesterday, Eileen and I cried and cried until we could cry no more, until there were tears, no tears left to cry. Whether it's the death of a child or the death, uh, our, our own deaths that we face, we might see that new spot on our skin and be concerned or have that chest pain that we have not experienced before or go to the doctor and the doctor says, uh, I'm concerned. We face our mortality. We live with a terminal condition. John Foreman, singer-songwriter in the song titled Terminal, says, The doctor says I'm dying. I die a little every day. But he's got, got no prescription that could take my death away. The doctor says it don't look so good. It's terminal. And it's been terminal for human beings, for every human being, ever since... Adam and Eve heard about their terminal condition on the day in which you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that forbidden fruit in the garden. When you eat it, you shall die. And they disobeyed and they ate. 
and they experience death. And as a result, we have ever since experienced that. But there's only one remedy for those of us who are under a death watch. And that remedy is our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has authority over death. 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22 says, For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to him. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And so Jesus will ultimately destroy death. He has the authority to do so. He's conquered death through his resurrection. And we read in Romans 8, 11, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. And Jesus Christ said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Whoever believes in me, whoever comes to me, in their desperate need of life, not just, not just life in this world, not just healing in this world, but eternal healing, eternal life. Come to Jesus in your desperate need and receive eternal life through faith and trust in him. Secondly, there's a desperation caused by isolating illnesses. Matthew chapter 9, 18 uh, begins to set this up. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died. Come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for twelve years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her said, Take heart. Daughter, your faith has made you well, and instantly the woman was made well. This woman would not have only experienced very significant physical problems. She would have experienced extreme financial hardship, and she would have experienced isolation from her community. The Old Testament had ceremonial laws. Purity laws related to uh, women in their monthly period. And that during that time that they were not to touch anybody or be touched, uh, so much so that uh, where they sat, nobody was supposed to sit after them. In any of those conditions, somebody could be ceremonially uh, unclean. And that would have negative implications for how they would live their life uh, during that period. And so People were not to touch her. She was not to touch them. This was an ongoing uh, problem. It wasn't just a monthly problem. And so here was a woman who was extremely isolated. And uh, she sees Jesus. She probably shouldn't have touched Jesus, but she was desperate. And she thought, well, if I can only touch even just in this, the word here is the, the edge of his garment, probably the 
the tassels that would have been on the garment of garments of men at that day in accordance with uh, an understanding of the Old Testament law. You know, as that tassel would swing at the end of his garment, if I can just just touch that as it swings, I'll be healed. She had faith that Jesus could heal her of her disease and her desperation and of her isolation. We all know a thing or two about isolation these days and illnesses that bring isolation. Here's just one one account of somebody that was isolated because of COVID-19. And this was uh, somebody named uh, Mr. Pesky. Uh, he was in a Minnesota facility, and his family would come for weekly visits until COVID. His daughter, the last name Roberg, said that she would come and talk and talk and talk with her father. And then in March, there was almost no one that Pesky could talk to. The pandemic hit. Long-term care facilities across the country, including his, shut their doors to visitors. And this largely kept residents confined to their rooms. It suspended most group activities and communal meals to protect the residents from COVID-19. And Pesky was hard of hearing, so phone calls were a struggle. Roberg, only, uh, the only lifeline she had to her father was the staff at the facility who reassured her that her father was doing well. The first sign of a problem came in mid-May when her father tested positive for COVID-19. His case appeared to be asymptomatic. And then in late May, Roberg got a call, an alarming call from the facility. It wasn't the virus. She said it was something else that was wrong. His head was down into his chest and he was sitting slumped in his wheelchair. Her father's aide said he was not his perky, chatty self. And so his daughter was hopeful that he would bounce back with more hands-on attention from the facility. But four days later on June 2nd, she got another call that she should come right away. Her father was dying. And so she rushed to see him, but he passed away uh, before she could see him. His death certificate listed the cause of death as the progression of Alzheimer's disease and social isolation and failure to thrive related to COVID-19 restrictions. One of the nurses who treated Pesky later described his deterioration as a burning candle with no oxygen left to draw from the air. It was as if a light had gone out. His daughter said he couldn't survive from being isolated. You know, in most cases in the New Testament and in the Gospels, we find Jesus doing the touching. Uh, Jesus uh, refusing to be isolated, even uh, when it came to somebody who was ceremonially unpure, uh, he would touch them and make them clean. In this case, it was this woman who would no longer be isolated, and she was healed of her isolation. You know, we looked at Jesus and his analogy, his application and illustration using sickness as another way of speaking of sin. He said, you know, those who are healthy, they don't need to be healed. Those who are sick do. I've not come for the righteous. I've come for sinners. And we find in the very word here that illustration embedded because the words here for uh, being made well 
is the Greek word for being saved. It's that, the same word. And yes, the context determines whether it's talking about a physical salvation or a spiritual salvation. But I believe that there's a purposeful use of that term here as these words and these accounts are used as an illustration of the salvation that Jesus Christ has the authority to bring. She said, if I only touch his garment, I will be saved. Jesus turned and seeing her said, take heart, daughter, your faith has saved you. And instantly the woman was saved. The Gospel of Matthew, we read, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And many other passages in the book of Matthew refer to the salvation that Jesus Christ brings, the greater salvation, the greater illness, the greater isolation that we need to be saved from, and that is an estrangement from God. Adam hid from God in the garden because he was ashamed. Colossians 1, 21 through 23 speaks of the restoration, the healing, the undoing of the isolation that we have with God from salvation through Jesus Christ. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Romans 5, 10 and 11. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. And the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And I, as an ambassador of Christ right now, would implore you, be reconciled to God. Do you understand your desperation? Perhaps you've experienced a physical desperation that has led you to seek Salvation from Christ, not only physically, but now that you understand your spiritual need, that your trespasses have separated you from God, that you would turn to Christ in your desperation, reach out a hand of faith, even just touch him and understand what it means to be forgiven and restored from the alienation that you have from God for all eternity in this world and for all eternity. Are you desperate enough? because of your isolating illness, to come to Christ through faith in him and receive his touch and touch him. And thirdly, there's a desperation caused from disabling illnesses. Matthew chapter 9, verse 27. 
And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes. According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, See that no one knows about it. I recently saw a YouTube video. It was of a a child, a a girl in a third world world country that did not have the ability to see. She was blind. And in the video, she said, Oh, kind Lord, you have given me two eyes. Why have you kept me blind? And the Lord answered her prayer through a nonprofit organization and through a $300 surgery. And the surgery was done and she received her sight. And then in that video... Over and over again, when the bandages came off, she said, Mother, I can see. Mother, I can see. It's one of those tearjerker videos of this dramatic event. In Jesus' day, the blind would likely have been um, relegated to a lifestyle, a life of begging in the streets for their survival. They'd have been desperate. Now, it's easy to kind of pass by these realities and not think of them ourselves, I want you to think about what it would be like to maybe sit on the sidewalk in downtown Panama City or at Pier Park, blind. Somebody's brought you there so that you can beg every day as you call out, have mercy on me, uh, help me. Um, That was the life that these two blind men would have had. There's a hymn that speaks of the reality of us coming as needy people, desperate for the salvation of Jesus Christ. The hymn, Come Ye Sinners, Come Ye Sinners, Poor and Wretched, Weak and Wounded, Sick and Sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, joined with power. He is able, He is able, He is willing, doubt no more. Come ye weary, heavy laden, bruised and broken by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. Not the righteous, not the righteous. Sinners, Jesus came to call. Are you desperate enough to need Jesus? The movie Chariots of Fire in it, there's this famous account of uh, Eric Liddell. And there's a, a line in the Chariots of Fire that goes something like this. He, Merrick Liddell was a, um, a renowned Olympian. And, uh, and he won uh, in the Olympics. And so the line goes like this. We need a muscular Christianity. Well, if we're going to apply the Bible realistically, what we need is a muscular dystrophy Christianity. Because that is what the Bible presents us in that kind of need. The good news has been called this. It's one beggar helping another beggar know where to find food. And that's what we do for those who have received salvation in Jesus Christ. We understand. We're beggars in desperate need who've received what we need through Jesus Christ. And we want to give that to others. Keith Green has said, most people don't find out till they're half dead that they need a second life. But not everybody responds to their desperation with faith, do they? The question is, will you respond 
to your desperation with faith. Oswald Chambers said this, Suffering is the heritage of the bad, of the penitent, and of the Son of God. Each one ends in the cross. The bad thief is crucified. The penitent thief is crucified. The Son of God is crucified. By these signs we know the widespread heritage of suffering. Oswald Chambers is pointing out that on the cross, when Jesus died, he had on either side of him two thieves. Jesus was there suffering for you and for me, willingly, the righteous for unrighteous people like us. And on either side of him, there were two people suffering in desperate need on the cross. And one responded with repentance. One responded by coming to Jesus in faith. Please remember me when you come into your kingdom, he said. Even on the cross, as Jesus was dying, he had faith in Jesus. Not so the other man on the other side of him. He mocked Jesus. So our desperation does not guarantee that we will have faith. I had a friend in seminary who uh, worked with deaf people, people that couldn't hear, and he was uh, really an expert at sign language, so much so that people uh, who were deaf that he would sign with for the first time had no idea that he wasn't deaf himself. He was that good. And he talked to me about how he was um, indignant about faith healers that he would see. These so-called faith healers uh, might have a deaf person come up to the stage and the, de- and the faith healer would say to the deaf person, say baby. And he said, baby is the easiest word to lip read in the English language. And it's also the easiest word to say in the English language. What he was saying was, not much of a miracle there. Jesus raised the dead. Jesus brought sight to the blind. Jesus healed in dramatic ways. And he can heal you from your blindness and other physical ailments. If you're desperate enough to come to him and receive the remedy. Now he may or may not heal your physical remedies, but he has promised in every case to heal you spiritually. To give you the forgiveness of sins. And one day through that give you a perfected soul and a perfected body. If you would but put your faith in Jesus Christ for that desperate need. Last Sunday, Dr. John Fischel, a longtime member of our church uh, who had passed away, we had his funeral and he passed away at the age of 95. And a few years back, his wife Louise passed away. And Dr. Fischel was a medical doctor, but he could not save himself. Um, But that's okay, because he put his faith in the great physician, Jesus Christ. And at his death, he was ushered into heaven. He was healed completely for all eternity. And he looks forward to that time when Christ returns and he'll have a resurrected body as well. Louise, his wife, same, who preceded him, put her faith not in herself, but knew her desperate need and put it in Jesus Christ as well for her eternal life. And so, are you sick enough? Are you sinful enough? Are you desperate enough? And will that desperation lead you to seek Jesus' salvation?
So come to faith in Jesus. Jesus has the power. Jesus has the authority. Jesus has the willingness. And Jesus loves you. If you will but reach out in faith and embrace what he offers to you, the salvation, and know what it means to have your need of desperation met. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for the authority of Christ, his authority over death, his authority over illness, and how, Father, that leads us to an even greater need, the authority for eternal life through the forgiveness of sins. We come to you today. We thank you for the encouragement of that. And we pray that you would work in our hearts through this word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so let us now.